بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم یا من تحل به یقد المکاره و یا من یفتو به حد الشدائه و یا من یلتمس منه المخرج الى روح الفره بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم الحمد لله و صلی الله علی سیدنا محمد Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on Sahifa Sajjadiyah by Mizan Institute. In our last session, which was an introductory one, we discussed the authenticity of the uh, famous book of Sahifa Sajjadiyah and some of the points that we have in regards to that, some of the things that our great scholars have said, some of the points regarding the Sanad and chain of narrators of this book and some of the problems that uh, we have there and all in all the overall conclusion that a person can take in regards to whether or not they can refer to this book and see it as the words of the imam now of course uh, we were just scratching the surface there there has there has been a lot more research done on this matter i just wanted the, the brothers and sisters out there to get an idea of what kind of discussions surround this this book of as-sahifa sajadiyah but what we want to do is now move on into the book itself. But before we get into the du'as, what, what, I, what I want to do in this session is I want to go over the story that is usually mentioned in the beginning of the sahifas that are printed today. Uh, there's a story of how this book even came out and was distributed and transmitted amongst the believers. And it's an interesting story. I, I think that... Uh, Reading it will be very beneficial and we can learn some things from the story itself. The story begins with an individual by the name of Mutawakkil. Now there are some notes regarding the name of this individual and the, the father of this individual and that we don't need to really get into. We'll just go by what the text is saying. And there are some dis small discrepancies have been pointed out uh, regarding his name and the consistency of it in the story. But all in all, uh, this is how the story begins. It's, it begins with a person by the name of Mutawakkil. We don't need any more detail than that for now. It says that Mutawakkil said that I met Yahya bin Zayd bin Ali. Alayhi salam. Yahya, the son of Zayd, son of Ali ibn al-Husayn alayhi salam, is a very high, great figure um, in the Zaydi sect. And as a matter of fact, within the Shia all in all, we respect him very much as a very pious individual. And a person who was eventually murdered, Yahya bin Zayd. His father Zayd, of course, is the son of Imam Sajjad Zayd, there's no, there's no discussion there on how pious he was as well. And that he also was murdered by the Bani Umayyah. We might get into some of those details later. But for now, it says that, I met Yahya bin Zayd bin Ali. When he was going to Khurasan after his father was slain and I greeted him. Okay, so Zayd has become shaheed by the Banu Umayyah that he had risen against. His son Yahya is now um, uh, is meeting with this Mutawakkil. This Mutawakkil is meeting this Yahya, this uh, Yahya bin Zayd. He said to me, where are you coming from? I said, from Hajj. He asked me about his household and the sons of his paternal uncle in Medina. So it keeps uh, saying paternal uncle in the text. Paternal uncle in this um, in this story is going to refer to Imam al-Baqir alayhi salam. 
because Imam al-Baqir was the brother of Zayd, son of Imam Sajjad. So that makes him Yahya's uncle, paternal uncle. So it says, he asked me about his household and the sons of his paternal uncle, meaning Yahya's cousins. So Yahya is asking about his cousins from this mutawakkil. Uh, obviously, the, the his uncle, which is Imam al-Baqir, has passed away. So he's asking about his cousins, namely, um, or maybe you can say the most important of which are Imam al-Sadiq So Imam al-Sadiq is the cousin of Yahya. And he it says, and he pressed me urgently about Imam Ja'far ibn Muhammad al-Sadiq So I gave him news of him and of them and of their sorrow over his father Zayd bin Ali. Upon him be peace. Okay, so there is a whole discussion about the death and martyrdom of Zayd ibn Ali and how the Ahlul Bayt and the Imams of Ahlul Bayt, they mourned him and his martyrdom. But at the same time, it's not that they openly pushed the people to go and support Zayd and to have an, uh, re- have a revolt against the Banu Umayyah. After Imam Hussain, the Imams of the Shia Ashari sect, they usually were not outwardly doing things the way some of the Zaydis were doing. And so they were very upset about the Shahada of Zayd. But at the same time, and there is difference of opinion on this, of whether or not the Imams supported the rise of Zayd or not. Some say they did, some say they didn't. Some say they were favor- it was favorable, but at the same time, or they were favorable of it, but at the same time, they wouldn't encourage people uh, to join or, uh, the ranks of Zayd. Anyway, there, that's a historical discussion uh, of its own and is not relevant right now. He said to me, my paternal uncle, Imam Muhammad al-Baqir ibn Ali, um, upon him be peace, advised my father not to revolt, and he let him know what be the outcome if he revolted and left Medina. So Yahya acknowledges that Imam al-Baqir, his uncle, had told his father Zayd what's going to happen to him and all of that. So after asking about the cousin, his cousins, Yahya then asks this mutawakkil, he says, have you ever met my cousin, Ja'far ibn Muhammad? I said, yes. He said, did you hear him mention anything about me? He said, yes. <laughs> so then Yahya says, what did he say about me? Tell me. So mutawakkil says, may I be your sacrifice? I don't want to confront you with what I heard from him. So you can tell that Imam al-Sadiq had said something about Yahya that if Yahya finds out, he might not be too happy about it. And Yahya can guess what Imam al-Sadiq has said about him. So he says, do you scare me with death? Tell me what you heard. So Yahya is already guessing that Imam al-Sadiq knows that Yahya is going to also lead a revolt and that he will be killed. And that this mutawakkil individual is holding back on sharing that with Yahya in order not to upset him. And so he says, do you scare me about death? Do you make? Do you think I'm going to get upset if I hear that I'm going to die? Anyway, Mutawakkil says, I heard him saying that you will be slain and crucified as your father was slain and crucified. His face changed color. Yahya's face changed color. And he said, God erases whatsoever he will and he establishes. And with him is the mother of the book. So this is uh, a verse of the Quran. That Allah is the one who you know gives the final verdict of what's going to happen. So if Imam Sadiq, in other words, if Imam Sadiq has said this, what I'm understanding from all of this is that Yahya is saying that look, God might change my fate. Although Imam Sadiq has 
knowledge of this and is saying this. Now, I do have to say this, by the way, on the side, that um, we do have to understand that these cousins had very high regards and respect for each other. But it doesn't mean that the likes of Yahya or that the likes of his father Zayd, who were very, very pious individuals, they actually believed in the imamah of Yahya or Zayd. Or excuse me, of Imam al-Sadiq or Imam al-Baqir, excuse me. Yeah. It's not that, I'll repeat that. It's not that Imam, that Yahya or Zayd believed in the imamah of um, Imam al-Sadiq or Imam al-Baqir alayhim as-salam. Although they respected them very much as very pious individuals and all of that. There might be an opinion out there that holds that they even believed in their imamah. But from my understanding and as far as I know, the mainstream view is that Zayd or Yahya, they didn't believe in the actual imamah of Imam al-Baqir and Imam al-Sadiq So for them, these are very, very pious individuals. They're great individuals. Of course, they're related very closely. But at the same time, they're not necessarily imams the way us Shia, if not Ashariya Shia, look at Imam al-Baqir and Imam al-Sadiq So here, when Yahya says that um, God erases whatsoever he wills and he establishes whatever he wants, in other words, whatever Allah chooses is going to happen. Whatever Allah decides will be that which Allah has decreed and will happen. He's, when he says this, you get a feeling that, okay, I, he's saying, I respect the view and opinion of Ja'far ibn Muhammad, my, my cousin, Imam al-Sadiq. But because he doesn't believe in the imamah of the imam, he's kind of hinting that his knowledge might not be accurate and that Allah might change things and the outcome might not be as he has predicted, as Imam al-Sadiq has predicted. All right, so he goes on, Yahya goes on, he says, O Mutawakkil, God has supported this matter through us and appointed for us knowledge and the sword. These two are combined in us while the sons of our paternal uncle, meaning Imam al-Baqir, have been singled out only for knowledge. This is very interesting that he says this. He says, look, us Zaydis, us Zaydis, and now of course back then there might not have been a Zaydism the way there is today, but these ones who were followers of Zayd ibn Ali, and most importantly, out of all of them, Yahya, his son, they, he's saying that we have the sword and the knowledge, while the sons of Imam al-Baqir, they only have knowledge. This is beautiful because it just shows that the Ahl al-Bayt, the Imams of Ahl al-Bayt, of the, of the Shia, Ithna Ashariya, they, they are the ones who are known for their wise stances throughout history how things with them are very dynamic and not black and white. How these imams, our imams, they were very big on transmitting knowledge, disseminating it, making sure that their followers are people of knowledge. While you look at some of these other very pious individuals like Yahya, like Zaid, for them knowledge of course is of the utmost importance, I'm not dismissing that, but at the same time, it's really very black and white when it comes to whether or not you are going to do things with the sword or not whether you are a person who is going to sit maybe, so to speak, in a corner and only discuss knowledge-related matters, or no, you're going to go out there no matter what the case is, no matter what the circumstances are, and revolt, resist, fight, and so on. And so today, when you look around, sometimes you get the feeling uh, with some of the 
things that happen around us, some of the things that some of the Shia do, it kind of reminds you of the Zaydi approach versus the uh, Ithna Ashari approach. The Ithna Ashari Imams, they were all known for their knowledge, and it's not something bad. But the Zaydis, on the other hand, they were known for the sword, and according to uh, the the main foundational beliefs they have for Imamah, because they have Imamah, just like we have Imamah, but their Imamah has a condition that we don't have, and that is Al-Qiyamu Bisayf, that an Imam of Zaydiyyah has to always have a sword in hand, always fighting, resisting in one way or another. But our Imams weren't like that necessarily all the time, to outwardly um, fight and resist. After Imam Hussain we don't see that happening, although there are different opinions on the approach of the Imams and how it was. But what's for sure is that um, it wasn't outwardly. So now this mutawakkil who has a lot of respect, of course, and you'll see how much respect he has for Yahya and his father Zayd. At the same time, he knows that the Imams of Ahlul Bayt have a much higher rank. And so he kind of is trying to indirectly make this point. He says, I said, may I be your sacrifice? Surely I see people inclining more to the son of your paternal uncle, Ja'far, than to you and your father. Right, so if you all are claiming that you are imams or that people need to follow you or that you have something that God has given you which is knowledge and the sword and these are obvious things that an imam needs to have and what sets them apart from the rest then those who only have knowledge shouldn't be followed by the, by the people and the masses. While I see and we see that no, your cousin Imam al-Sadiq the son of your paternal uncle he has more followers and the people are inclined to them more. So Yahya, he goes on. Now Yahya, of course, uh, he's going he's gonna to keep things real here. He said, Surely my paternal uncle Muhammad ibn Ali and his son Ja'far, upon them both be peace, summon people to life, but we summon them to death. This is very important, brothers and sisters, right here. Two points here that I want to make really quickly. Number one is that Yahya is acknowledging that he's saying that look i understand that people wouldn't want to come towards us because people like to, li- to like to live their normal lives and since the imams of ahlul bayt of the ithna ashari shia sect that's what they're calling the people to to protect themselves to take care of themselves to not die that easily then it's obviously that's what people like usually and so they're going to be inclined to- towards that so it's not a big deal as if it's not a big deal that people are inclined more more towards Imam al-Sadiq versus me, Yahya. Because I call to death, they call to life. Or he's calling to life. And naturally, people are going to prefer that more. That's one point that stands out. And then the second point that comes to mind also is that, all right, so even Yahya, even the people back then understood that the Imams of Ahlul Bayt, the 12 Imams that we believe in, or at least in this case right here, Imam al-Sadiq, Imam al-Baqir salam, they are the ones who are trying to live their lives in a, in a wise fashion in order to preserve the people, preserve the lives of the people. And in the end, that is what they are after. That is what the end goal is. The end goal is to be able to live in this life and not get in trouble. While for this uh, Yahya or his, or his father Zaid, that's not what matters. What matters is to fight and even die, 
even if you have to give up a normal life, even if it's going to be a religiously led life. So this is a big difference between the two. And it just highlights the, the diff- difference of approach between the two. The Imams of Ahl Bayt of the Twelver sect, we believe that they, yes, they were telling the people all the time, be careful, be careful, watch out for yourselves. And uh, really pushing this idea of taqiyya, or else they wouldn't have survived, and Islam or tashayyu wouldn't have uh, survived till today. Yes, of course, sometimes there will be time, there will be circumstances where you have no choice, but you have to do what you have to do, like Imam al Hussein salam. But it seems like the default, the rule, is as to uh, preserve life and to be very careful not to get in trouble and to navigate all these obstacles that come our way as Shia, uh, at least during the time of the Imams and. Even till today, our scholars, uh, this is what they highlight and point out. And so it goes on. It says, I said, O son of the messenger of God, have they more knowledge or have you? So this mutawakkil is coming off as very smart here. <laughs> he's, trying to, he's trying to see how, this, how Yahya thinks. O Yahya, do you, how much do you really like believe in the greatness of Imam al-Sadiq, in the greatness of Imam al-Baqir? All right. So on one hand, okay, you said that people are going to be inclined towards Imam al-Sadiq and Imam al-Baqir because they called the people to life. Okay, I understand that. Now I want to know what you think. Forget about the people, forget about the masses. Do you really acknowledge their knowledge or not? Because you said they have knowledge and then you have knowledge in the sword. Is the knowledge that you have, Yahya, that you claimed for yourself, do you believe that it's the same as the knowledge of al-Sadiq and al-Baqir? Or no, their knowledge is more than yours. It's a very interesting question Mutawakkil brings up here. And so it says he looked toward the ground for a while. This is interesting. He didn't give an answer right away. Yahya, he goes quiet. Then he lifted his head and said, All of us have knowledge, but they know everything we know, and we do not know everything they know. This is a very uh, political answer that is given by Yahya. Okay, Yahya, just say they have more knowledge than us. He doesn't say it like that. Because if he says it like that, he's conceded to the fact that Maybe they know better what they're doing and what they're telling others to do versus us. So I don't know. This is my take, brothers and sisters. This is how I understand it. Um, It's kind of Yahya trying to avoid the question or trying to avoid giving the answer that he's supposed to give, but at the same time telling the truth. He's not going to use the word they're more knowledgeable than us, but he says we don't know everything they know. Alright, that's good still. We'll take it. Okay, so after this initial conversation between Mutawakkil and Yahya, which by the way, I hope the brothers and sisters are keeping in mind that this is not the famous Mutawakkil, the Khalifa of Banu Abbas. No, this is a normal person, Mutawakkil. After that initial conversation of Mutawakkil and Yahya, the story of the Sahifa Sajjadiya comes up. It says, Then he said to me, Have you written anything from the son of my paternal uncle? I said, Yes. He said, show it to me. So I brought out various kinds of knowledge. So apparently this mutawakkil, he had written hadiths from Imam al-Sadiq on different, maybe paper, parchment, skin, stone, whatever it was. It says, I brought out various kinds of knowledge. And I brought out for him a dua, a supplication, which had been dictated to me by Imam al-Sadiq He had related to me that his father, Imam al-Baqir, had dictated it to him and had told him that it was one of the supplications of his father, Ali ibn al-Husayn, Imam al-Sajjad, from al-Sahifa al-Kamila. 
All right, so what happened here? Uh, Imam al-Sadiq has given a dua to this mutawakkil. He says, this dua is what my father, Imam al-Baqir, dictated to me. And he told me that this is one of the duas of his father, Imam al-Sajjad, that is in al-Sahif al-Kamila. Now, why it is referred to as al-Sahif al-Kamila is another story we don't want to get into. But it's referring to that famous Sahifa Sajjadiyah that some refer to as a Sahifa Al-Kamil Sajjadiyah. In any event, this dua, he has one dua of this book. So this mutawakkil doesn't have the entire book. He has only one dua of this book. Then it says, Yahya looked at it until he came to its end. He said to me, will you permit me to copy it? I said, O son of the Messenger of God, do you ask permission for that which belongs to all of you? So Yahya, of course, is, is a, a descendant of uh, the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa right? Just like the just like the Imams are. All right. So this is the part where I was referring to when I said Mutawakkil, although he doesn't believe in the Imamat of Yahya, but he has immense respect for him. And so look what he says here. He says, "You don't even need to get permission from me. This belongs to you. You're the son of Rasulullah, so you don't need to get permission from me. I'm a nobody compared to you." You don't need permission, go ahead and copy it. And so Yahya says, Truly I will bring out for you a sahifa with the perfect supplications, which my father had in safekeeping from his father. My father counseled me to safeguard it and to withhold it from those unworthy of it. And so it goes on to say that this mutawakkil stands up before him, kisses Yahya on the head and said to him, By God, O son of the messenger of God, I profess the religion of God through love for you and, ob- and obedience toward you. I hope that he will favor me in the life, in my life and my death with your wilaya, it says here. The wilaya to come that they've translated to friendship. Now, someone might ask, okay, well, look, Mutawakkil uh, is sounding like he believes in the imamate of Yahya, the way he's speaking. That may God give me the love uh, or take me to Jannah, uh, or I profess the religion of God through love for you and obedience toward you. You only have obedience to an imam. But obviously, these are some like formalities, I would say. Or else, if he has to obey Imam al-Sadiq, if he has, a, if, if he has to choose between obeying Imam al-Sadiq or Yahya, of course we know Mutawakkil, and he's made it clear already that he's going to follow the orders and command of Imam al-Sadiq over Yahya. All in all, I feel like these are formalities. And of course, he has immense love for Yahya. And so he is uh, he's expressing it through these words. And he even says, Wilayah to him. He says, uh, I hope that he will favor me. God will favor me in my life and my death with your Wilayah. But of course, as I said, if he has to choose between the Wilayah of Imam Sadiq and the Wilayah of Yahya, of course, he's going to prefer the first. But maybe here, Wilayah means friendship, love, whatever else Wilayah can mean. So it says that he gave the page uh, of, he says, he threw the page of mine or tossed the page of mine, which I had given to him that had the dua in it, to a servant. He gave it to his servant who was with him and said, write this supplication with a beautiful, clear script and give it to me. Perhaps I will memorize it for I had been seeking it from Ja'far and he withheld it from me. (laughs) This is the interesting part. Imam al-Sadiq, didn't give this dua to him. Now later on, Imam al-Sadiq will tell this mutawakkil why he had withheld it. 
It goes on. It says, Mutawakkil said, So I regretted what I had done and did not know what I should do. Abu Abdullah al-Sadiq, Imam Sadiq, had not ordered me to, had ordered me not to hand it over to anyone. So he got kind of stuck in this situation, this Mutawakkil. And later on, he's going to apologize to the Imam and the Imam is going to say why he had told him not to give it to anyone. But yeah, it's interesting how this Mutawakkil says, I was upset because although I love Yahya so much, but I didn't want to give him this dua and I definitely didn't want him to copy it. But of course, he got stuck in that situation. And when Yahya asked him for permission to copy it and uh, transcribe it, he said, of course, why? Are you, there's no even reason for you to ask. Um, go ahead and do whatever you need to do. Now, maybe this was for the better because this, this mutawakkil gave a dua, but what he got in return is the entire Sahifa Sajjadiyah, which we're going to get to momentarily. So the story goes on. It says, then he called for a box. Yahya calls for a box and brought out from it a Sahifa, a book locked and sealed. He looked at the seal, kissed it, and wept. Then he broke the seal and undid the lock. He opened the Sahifa, placed it upon his eyes, and passed it across his face. He said, By Allah, O Mutawakkil, were it not for the words you mentioned from the son of my paternal uncle, Imam al-Baqir, that I will be slain and crucified, I would not hand this over to you and would be miserly with it. The Arabic is danin. Danin has negative connotations. But what is meant here is that I would have protected it by all means and I would have not given it to anybody. That's what he means by miserly here. But I know that his word is the truth which he has taken from his fathers and that it will be verified. This is very interesting. Yahya is acknowledging that the knowledge of Imam al-Sadiq is at another level. This is very interesting. Yet still it's not enough for him to, uh, well based on this story at least, to uh, give in to that. And he believes that he has to go through with his plans of revolt and uprisal and that he knows that he's going to probably be killed. And this is, what's interesting and stands out to me personally is that in the beginning, when he asked Mutawakkil, have you heard anything from my cousin about me? And Mutawakkil told him that he's going to get killed, that Imam Sadiq has said that he's going to get killed. He said, Yamhullah ma yasha'u wa yuthbit. He recited that verse which kind of implied that, okay, well Imam Sadiq said this, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might, might do otherwise, might decree otherwise. But here though, it seems that as this conversation has been going on between Mutawakkil and Yahya, that Yahya is thinking to himself, like, who are we kidding? Like this, my cousin As-Sadiq he knows what he's talking about. Like, this is going to probably happen. So, since it's probably going to happen, and he says, but I know that his word is the truth which he has taken from his fathers and that it will be verified. So I fear lest knowledge like this fall to the Umayyads. I don't want this book to fall in the hands of the Umayyads and they hide it and store it in their treasuries for themselves. Because that's the case and probably what Imam al-Sadiq said is right and I will be killed and crucified, then I, you know what? It's better if I just hand this over to you, O Mutawakkil, instead of it falling into the hands, into the wrong hands. So take it, guard it for me and wait with it. Then when God has accomplished in my affair and the affair of those people what he will accomplish, in other words, once Allah has gone through with his decree and I have been killed or they've been killed or whatever it is, 
it will be a trust from me with you to be taken to the sons of my paternal uncle, Muhammad and Ibrahim, the two sons of Abdullah ibn al-Hasan ibn al-Hasan ibn Ali. They will undertake this affair after me. Okay, so, in addition to the cousins that Yahya has, that are the imams of Ahlul Bayt, like Imam al-Sadiq, he also has other cousins. For example, Muhammad and Ibrahim, who are the sons of Abdullah, the other uncle of Yahya. So Yahya has an uncle, Imam al-Baqir, that we believe is an imam. He has another uncle, Abdullah. Hmm? This Abdullah is also his uncle. This Abdullah, he has two sons, Muhammad and Ibrahim, which are the cousins of Yahya. This Muhammad and Ibrahim, they also had the same fate as um, Yahya, their cousin. Of course, Yahya was slain and they killed him. And then Muhammad, son of Abdullah, which is also referred to as An-Nafsu Zakiyah, the pure soul, he was also slain later on. And his brother, Ibrahim, was also slain. All of them were slain. Now, Yahya was slain by the Banu Umayyah. But Muhammad and Ibrahim, later on, after Banu Umayyah were toppled, and Banu Abbas took over, they were killed by Banu Abbas, and they revolted against Banu Abbas. And in, in, in all of this, Imam al-Sadiq was, uh, was doing his own thing in Medina and was not pushing for people to do what these individuals were doing, his cousins were doing. Once again, doesn't mean they were not pious people necessarily, although there are some question marks on some of them. Because, for example, this Muhammad is referred to as An-Nafsu Zakiyah, and his father Abdullah started getting bay'ah for him. And, and some of these individuals, they were referring to themselves as the Mahdi, or others were referring to them as the Mahdi, and so on. So there are some question marks here and there. But all in all, they are respected individuals. They are pious individuals. Yahya and Zayd, very respected and very pious. But all in all, yeah, they had a different approach than the Imams of Ahlul Bayt, alayhimussalam. Imams of Ahl Bayt would navigate these issues while these ones would jump in the middle of them and eventually their lives they would uh, lose their lives and become shaheed as a result. Alright, so now we fast forward. I mean the story itself is fast forwarding to after Yahya being slain and it talks about how Mutawakkil goes to Imam al-Sadiq alayhi salam. It says Mutawakkil said, so I took the Sahifah. When Yahya bin Zayd was slain, I went to Medina and met Imam al-Sadiq alayhi salam. I related to him the news of Yahya. He wept and his feeling for him was intense. Okay, so the Imam loves Yahya at the end of the day. Although he might disagree with what Yahya is doing. According to some opinions at least, or the majority of opinions. He said, God have mercy on the son of my paternal uncle. And join him to his fathers and grandfathers. By God, O Mutawakkil, the only thing that prevented me from handing the supplication over to him was what he feared for the Sahifa of his father. So in other words, Imam al-Sadiq saying, look, I didn't, it's not that I didn't want to share the dua with him when he asked me for it. But rather it was that I was afraid of the same thing he was afraid of, which caused him to give you the entire Sahifa itself. Okay, so... The, the, the imam, is it's not that the imam had an issue with him, but he feared that the dua also will fall in the wrong hands. And that's why he didn't give it to him. Anyway, the imam now asks, where is the sahifa? I said, here it is. 
So Mutawakkil opened, or excuse me, Imam Sadiq opened it and said, This by God is the handwriting of my paternal uncle Zaid and the supplications of my grandfather Ali ibn al Hussein alayhi salam. Then he said to his son, Stand up, O Ismail, and bring out the supplications which I commanded you to protect and safeguard. So now, Imam al-Sadiq is bringing out what he has. So Ismail stood up, and of course this is the famous Ismail, son of Imam al-Sadiq, who later on a sect was made in his name, although the poor thing, he didn't know this was going to happen. He passed away before his father passed away even, Ismail. But then people later on, after Imam al-Sadiq said, no, Ismail's alive, and uh, we, they, 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 he's the Imam and so on, and so the Ismaili sect was born. Uh, once again, there's a lot of details there that I'm skipping. I don't want to say anything inaccurate. So Ismail stood up and he brought out a Sahifa, just like the Sahifa which Yahya bin Zayd had handed over to me. Mutawakkil is saying this. Imam al-Sadiq kissed it and placed it upon his eyes. He said, this is the handwriting of my father and the dictation of my grandfather while I was a witness. So it's very interesting. Imam al-Sadiq says, probably as a child I was there when... Imam al-Sajjad was dictating this sahifa to my father Imam al-Baqir and he was writing it down. I was there when this was happening. Now, maybe Zayd, brother of Imam al-Baqir, was also there uh, writing down his copy at the same time. Okay? As Imam al-Sadiq was, or excuse me, uh, Imam al-Baqir was writing it down. I'm not sure about this part. Um, what Was it that Imam al-Baqir and Yahya, these two brothers, excuse me, Imam al-Baqir and Zayd, these two brothers, were sitting there together when Imam al-Sajjad was dictating this book of du'as and they were both writing it down in their own handwriting? Or no, on separate events uh, and in separate circumstances. Once Imam al-Baqir dictated this to Imam or excuse me, Imam al-Sajjad dictated this to Imam al-Baqir and he wrote it down. And then later, some other time, Imam al-Sajjad dictated it to Zayd, and he wrote it down separately. This has not been mentioned in this story. But what we do have is that Imam al-Sadiq says, I was there when my father was writing it. Now, was Zayd there writing his own as well, or was it some other time? That is not addressed here. So Mutawakkil says, I said, O son of the Messenger of God, would it be proper for me to compare it to the Sahifa of Zayd and Yahya? So Imam al-Sadiq has his own copy. Mutawakkil is saying, can I compare this copy that you have with the copy of Yahya and Zayd that I brought to you? He gave me permission to do that and said, I consider you worthy of that. So it says that Mutawakkil says, I looked and I found the two to be one. There was no difference. I did not find a single letter to differ from what was in the other Sahifa. Uh, This is very interesting. And this um, doesn't necessarily imply that uh, that Zayd and Imam al-Baqir wrote it down in one go together, in one gathering with their father Imam al-Sajjad, it just shows that, yes, Imam al-Sajjad read the same thing to both of them, now in one gathering or even separate gatherings. As I said, that hasn't been addressed. And so here, Mutawakkil has to fulfill the promise and oath he made to Yahya before Yahya was killed. And that was to go and submit this Sahifa to his other cousins, Muhammad and Ibrahim, sons of Abdullah. 
So it says, then I asked permission from Abu Abdullah, Imam al-Sadiq, to hand over the Sahifa to the two sons of Abdullah, uh, namely, of course, as I, as I said, Muhammad and Ibrahim. He said, now, so look at the answer Imam al-Sadiq gives. He said, God commands you to deliver trusts back to their owners. He read, he read this verse of the Qur'an. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَن تُؤَدُّ الْأَمَانَاتِ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهَا That Allah commands you to deliver the trusts back to their owners. If someone entrusts you with something, you have to you either don't accept, or if you accept, carry it out exactly how you accepted it. So the Imam says, yes, hand it over to them. When I rose to go and meet them, he said to me, stay in your place. Then he sent for Muhammad and Ibrahim, and they came. Well, this, this is also an interesting detail here. So the Imam doesn't want him to go to them, he wants them to come to him. And it seems that, once again, I mean, although these were good individuals, but these little things that the Imam al-Sadiq is doing or saying, they have a meaning of their own. They came. He said, this is the inheritance of the son of your paternal uncle Yahya from his father, Zaid. He has singled you out for it instead of his own brothers. Yahya has chosen you two to give this book to. But we place upon you a condition concerning it. Imam al-Sadiq says, I'll give it to you under one condition. They said, God have mercy upon you. Tell us for your word is accepted. He said, leave it. Leave not Medina with this sahifa. I don't want you leaving Medina with this. Now, of course, Imam al-Sadiq knows that they probably, because they believe in revolting and resistance and whatever else it is they believe in. And as I said, some even called them the Mahdi or at least Muhammad, the nafs zakiyah as the Mahdi. He probably knows that they will leave Medina. But he says, don't leave with this sahifa. So I don't want people to misunderstand this, that the Imam is telling them, don't leave Medina, but they eventually went against the wishes of Imam al-Sadiq and they left. No, he just said, don't leave with the Sahifa. So if you're going to leave Medina, fine, but don't leave it. Don't leave Medina taking the Sahifa with you because I fear for the Sahifa. As I said, I'll, I'll just repeat this one more time. Uh, it's not like these, these Hashemites um, believed in the Imamah of the sixth imam. It's not necessarily the case. There might be different opinions on it, but it's pretty pretty clear based on the history and a lot of cl clues that we have that they didn't believe that they have to follow the commands of the imam as an imam. They, of course, respect. They say, tell us for your word is accepted. But it's not like if the imam had told them, don't leave Medina at all, they might have listened. So the imam says, don't leave Medina with this sahifa. They said, and why is that? He said, the son of your paternal uncle feared for it what I fear for you. They said he only feared for it when he came to know he will be slain. Imam al-Sadiq said, As for you, feel not secure. Don't feel safe. By God, I know that you will revolt as he revolted, and you will be slain as he was slain. They arose while they were saying, There is no force and no strength except in Allah, the All-High, the Almighty. Once again, maybe they're saying this, because they're not believing what the Imam is saying, or they don't want to believe, or no, they're just saying that la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. In other words, that wow, this is going to happen to us, and but in the end, we 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 do what we have to do, and everything belongs to Allah, and to Him we will return, and things like that. Whatever it is that they have in mind, this is the the line that they say as they're leaving. All right, so now the story goes on to Imam al-Sadiq speaking to Mutawakkil about Yahya. So, a quick timeline till here. Mutawakkil, he had met up with Yahya. Yahya had asked him to tell him about what Imam al-Sadiq says about him. 
and he said that you're going to be killed. And so Yahya gives him the Sahifa, and uh, this Mutawakkil brings the Sahifa, or and tells, and he tells Mutawakkil to give the Sahifa to his cousins Muhammad and Ibrahim. And so Mutawakkil comes to Medina before meeting Muhammad and Ibrahim. He meets Imam al-Sadiq himself, shows him the Sahifa, and the Imam says that I also have a Sahifa, and they compare the two, and they are identical. And then Muhammad and Ibrahim, the cousins of Yahya, are summoned by Imam al-Sadiq. Imam al-Sadiq gives them the Sahifa, but says don't take it out of Medina. And they accept that because the Imam tells them you're going to be killed and if you get killed, this might fall in the wrong hands. After Muhammad and Ibrahim get up and leave, the Imam begins a conversation with Mutawakkil alone. And he brings up the conversation that Yahya had with Mutawakkil, talking about how Imam al-Baqir, Imam al-Sadiq, they summon the people to life while Yahya and his father, they summon people to death. And so Mutawakkil, he says, yes, that, you know, that did come up and that's what he said. And so the Imam says, Yarhamullahu Yahya, may Allah bless Yahya. So like, in other words, like, I don't have a problem with him, he's saying. But at the same time, he shares some thoughts about Banu Umayyah and the dream of the Holy Prophet regarding Banu Umayyah climbing his mimbar. And so it's as if he's making a point to, to Mutawakkil that Imam Sadiq is trying to tell him that, look, we have to... We have to be careful about things. And we have to protect this member of Rasulullah. We have to protect the religion. We have to be careful not to get ourselves in trouble. And it seems like he's trying to say that this is why we're calling the people to life while they're calling people to death and they cause issues for the Shia. And so he tells the story of Rasulullah dreaming the Banu Umayyah on his member. He says, my father related from his father, from his grandfather, from Ali salam. That Rasulullah dozed off for an instant while he was on the pulpit. He saw in his sleep some men leaping upon his pulpit like monkeys and making the people move backwards in their steps. So the Messenger of God sat up and sorrow was apparent in his face. Then Jibra'il came to him with this verse. The verse that says, And we did not appoint the vision that we showed you except as a test for the people and the tree cursed in the Qur'an. We deter them, but it only increases them in great rebellion. In other words, that this verse, and if you look at the tafsir of this verse, people like Tabatabai, they have said that the tree, the cursed tree, is referring to the tree, a family tree, not a tree in Jahannam. No, a family tree. And of course, what you can conclude from that is the tree of Banu Umayyah, the family tree of Banu Umayyah. So Jibra'il comes down and says that this dream that you saw, this is the interpretation of it. And that they will take over and all of that. So he, the Prophet ﷺ says, O oh Jibra'il, will they be in my time? And in my, the, my period in my time? He said, no, but the mill of Islam will turn from your migration. And so Jibra'il gives them a breakdown of the different years that will pass. And in the end though, it will be that there will be the kingdom of the pharaohs. That look, O oh Prophet, it's going to reach a point that your ummah, is going to be ruled by kings like pharaohs. And so it goes on, and it says, He said, So God gave news to His Prophet ﷺ, that the Umayyads would own sovereignty over this community and that their kingdom would last this period of time. Were the, this is the important part. Were the mountains to compete with them, they would tower over the mountains until God gives permission for the disappearance of their kingdom. In other words, these people are going to rule and they're going to rule brutally and you can't get rid of them. And during this time, they have made their banner of enmity and hatred for us, the Ahlul Bayt. So, in other words, if I'm calling to life, right? If I'm calling to life, 
This is the reason for it. These people are going to be here for a while before they, they before they're destroyed. Now, of course, this was towards the end of their rule because during Imam al-Sadiq's time, that is when the transition took place from Bani Umayyah to Banu Abbas. But if he's saying, if my father and myself were telling the people to take care of themselves, be careful and protect themselves, it's because until the time comes that they are destroyed by Allah, they're not going anywhere. And all that's going to happen is we're going to lose our lives for nothing. We're not going to get anything in return. So we have to look at the price we're paying and what we're getting in return as if. God gave news to his prophet concerning what the Ahl Bayt of Muhammad the people of, of love for them, their Shia, would meet from the Umayyads during their days and their kingdom. So the Shia, the lovers of Ahl Bayt, the, and uh, the Ahl Bayt themselves, they're going to suffer in this time. And so he's he's telling, it's as if he is explaining and justifying why his stance, his father's stance, is different than the stance of Zayd, the likes of Zayd, the likes of Yahya, those like Muhammad and Ibrahim and others. Finally, as a conclusion to everything that he has said about how the Prophet saw the dream, the Umayyads will take over, it's going to be a kingdom of pharaohs, and that their time will come, that they will be destroyed, and until then it won't be possible to take it away from them. After he says all of that, he seems to be concluding. He says, Before the rise of our Qa'im, the 12th Imam, not one of us Ahlul Bayt has revolted or will revolt to repel an injustice or to raise up a right without affliction uprooting him and without his uprising increasing the adversity of us and our Shia. So it seems that the Imam is trying to say, look, if I'm summoning people to life, it's because if I don't, everything's going to go down the drain. Anyone who goes the other route is going to be destroyed, is going to be uprooted and I can't allow that to happen to everyone or else the deen, the religion will be compromised and will go down the drain, God forbid. So he says, and the Arabic says, وَكَانَ قِيَامُهُ زِيَادَةً فِي مَكْرُوهِنَا وَشِيَعَتِنَا That look, um, he's not calling out those who do revolt, but he's saying, look, this is going to be the outcome, and I don't, I don't agree with it necessarily. He says, there's going to be affliction uprooting that person who revolted. And in addition to them personally be affected, affected by death and you know being martyred and killed, the uprising that they lead is going to increase our problems, our makruh. And the problems and troubles of our Shia, it's going to add to our problems, the Ahl Bayt's problems, and the problems of the Shia altogether. And so this is why we, the Ahl Bayt, are summoning the people towards life, while others might be summoning to death. They don't look at the implications and the ramifications of what they do. And this is the wiser thing that we've decided that we need to do. Kind of reminds you of how Imam Ali alayhi salam in Nahj al-Balagha, he speaks about how he could have revolted when Saqifa took away his rights, but he decided not to, and that to not revolt was the wiser decision and choice, of course, for the bigger picture. Those discussions we've heard before elsewhere, it's uh, famously known that the Imam, he said this is the wiser decision. It is ahja. Anyway, after all of this is said, it says that Al-Mutawakkil, um, he transcribed these du'as by the dictation of the Imam. The Imam read the supplications and Mutawakkil wrote them down. So I just want to explain one little thing here. There are different ways that hadiths and literature is recorded. Back then, 1400 years ago, there were no recorders, 
There was no technology. There was no copy machines. You couldn't Xerox a book, you know. And so people had to transcribe. They had to have a manuscript that they they would write off of. Now, there was different ways you could write off of a manuscript. Someone would give you their manuscript. You would go home and, and record it or give it to someone else to record it and you would pay them. Or what you would do is, and this was the, the best way, it was through dictation and imla, they call it, where the person with the manuscript, who in turn had transcribed it from another manuscript, this person would now read it to you, dictate it to you, and you would you would write and transcribe what was being dictated to you. This way, the teacher, quote-unquote, was sure that you are transcribing it the way it really is. And as a result, since you were involved in this, you would give them ijazah and permission now to narrate this to others. There was, this was the best way to make sure that authentic knowledge and information reaches others and is transmitted properly. Versus, because there were some people who just, they had problems and they would... They would make up stuff in other people's names and say, this is, so-and-so said this, so-and-so said that. Okay, well, if you have a manuscript that has the permission by your teacher to narrate it to others, then so be it. If not, I'm not going to rely on, on, on it. And so this was to ensure, this methodology was to ensure that knowledge is disseminated properly. That you have transcribed off of a dictation that was given to you from a, your teacher who in turn got it from his teacher and a, a dictation that took place there, and so on and so forth. The chain of narrators goes up till the original source of that knowledge. This is how it was happening back then. Nowadays, we don't need that. That's obsolete. Nowadays, there's other ways of verifying knowledge and information, uh, especially ones that are printed, and they will usually go back. The printed versions of books that we have go back to manuscripts that uh, museums and, and libraries will have. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that it's interesting how the Imam didn't just give it to him so that he goes home with it and transcribes it. It says that Imam al-Sadiq dictated to me the supplications. He did actual imla, which is the best form and most reliable form of transmission of knowledge. Which are 75 chapters, he says. So the Imam dictated to him 75 chapters. The problem though is this, brothers and sisters. Of them, he says, 11 chapters have escaped me. Now, what happened exactly, he doesn't say. So out of these 75, only 64 have reached Mutawakkil, the one who's narrating Sahifa Sajjadiyya. But to add to that, there's another problem, <laughs> and that is that only 54 out of those 64 have reached us. Right now, the, the, the conventional uh, Sahifa Sajjadiyya that we have is made up of uh, 54 supplications, not 64 that Mutawakkil initially had been able to retain. And so all in all, that's how much we have. This is the story behind it all and how Mutawakkil eventually was able to be that link between between the Imam and all of us um, in, in, this, in this Sahifa reaching us. Now as I said in our previous session, because Mutawakkil is one individual only, even if many people have narrated it from Mutawakkil or from, or many people have narrated it from people who have narrated it from Mutawakkil and how, however many links there are between us and Mutawakkil, in the end we have to understand one thing. If we are going to strictly look at chain of narrators only, Mutawakkil is one person. And because one of the tabaqat of the chain of narrators of Sahifa Sajjadiyya is, is one individual, even if all the other tabaqat 
all the other links are made up of more than one person, that will the fact that mutawakkil is only one person is going to stop this um, this chain at least from being or this sahifa sajadiyah let's say being a mutawatir hadith or report or book that has reached us unless we fix it up some other way but we can't refer to this as mutawatir but as I said our, our great ulama have explained how this is one of the most authoritative and most reliable books and of course there's a lot of benefit in it inshallah that we are going to try to scratch the surface of in this series of a commentary on Sahifa Sajjadiyah. Inshallah, Allah gives us that tawfiq to get as much as we can out of this. As I said, I'm not an infallible individual. I will use the get the help of other commentaries we have, plus a little bit of my own understanding sometimes here and there as well, uh, in order that we can benefit as much as we can from this holy book. I ask Allah to give us that tawfiq, inshallah, and that the brothers and sisters are also able to benefit as much as possible from the points that are shared in this series. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.